612 on this final day of January. Going to be another nice day. All in all, too bad we can't swap it out for the weekend for the first weekend of parades, but what are you going to do? That's the way it works out, right? Highs of day 66, plenty of sunshine, nice and spring-like almost. Tomorrow, highs of 64, 70 on Friday. Then Saturday, showers are going to come in in the afternoon. They're saying maybe the daytime parades would be all right, but the early daytime parades, but in the afternoon and night, that's where the heavy weather is going to come in. Highs of 68 then turns windy and cooler on Sunday. Highs of 66 with a 30% chance of showers into the morning. So we'll keep you apprised of everything you need to know. And I got the parades on Saturday night might have to be moved. We'll talk about that as it happens. Aaron Dusso joins us now, associate professor and chair of the Department of Political Science at Indiana University. Indianapolis, talk about the presidential race, what of it there is. How you doing, Professor? Good. Thanks for having me. Is it a race or is it a crawl? <laughs> right now, I think we've hit the crawl stage. We're kind of just waiting for the primaries to be over because they seem to be already you know, know what's going to happen. Nikki Haley got any chance at all of anything? If she has a chance, it's in South Carolina. I think she's put all of her effort into South Carolina. Obviously, she her history is there. If she can seemingly, you know, right now she's pulling about 30 points behind. So if somehow she can get closer, even win that, then she's alive. But Likely she's just holding on to want, you know maybe win some delegates uh, for the convention. And what would she do with them if she does? Well, I mean, the hope has to be is we've never had a president who spent as much time in the you know courtroom as he is on the campaign trail. So perhaps something happens. You know, again, we, this is an unpredictable era. Something happens. And if she has the most uh, delegates besides Trump that goes into a, a convention where Trump has to step aside or something happens, uh, then she's in a power position and maybe you can can win at the convention. The um, more Trump times Trump spends in a, a courtroom, though, the more it helps him. Right. 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 Yeah. That's uh, seemingly it hasn't hurt him at all, if not helped him. I mean, he's up to about 73 percent uh, in the Republican primary predictions. Uh, so, yeah, it's not hurt him at all. I'm just, I, you know, at, at this point, life seems to be giving us a lot of things that we can't predict. And so if something were, as, if I'm Haley, my best chance is something happens we can't predict. And I have lined up enough uh, uh, pledged delegates that when I go to the convention, I have the most. And then, you know, besides the Trump uh, ones, but then they're free agents. And so maybe I can negotiate a victory there. But so what happens then if, if Trump has legal trouble? Uh, what happens with the convention and, and the nomination and so forth? I guess what I'm wondering is if he's still the most viable candidate, nothing says that he can't be elected if he's right. in jail. Right. I'm just wondering how that plays right. out with the Republicans in the convention. Right. Yeah. I mean. Technically, yeah, he can run. He can still run. He can still get the nomination. He can still win the presidency, even if he's sitting in jail. Um, but, you know, if if for whatever reason he decides to step aside uh, and it's before the convention, then everything is decided at the convention. It becomes an old-style convention where it's uh, everything's going to happen there, where all the pledged delegates that he racks up become largely free agents. And then you have the back, you know, back rooms and battles that are going to happen there. It could be fascinating to watch, uh, but... Is it likely to happen? No, but Haley's you know far enough behind where she's looking for a hail mary. Let's talk about former President Trump and the control he's exerting over um, Congress, even though he's not in office, uh, as it relates to border bill, et cetera. How afraid are Republicans of offending him in any way or going against him in any way? I mean, Trump is clearly the top 
dog in the Republican Party, and he is someone that everybody who, you know, up and down the tickets want to, you know, keep on their side because he can influence a lot of voters. Voters listen to him still within the Republican Party, and any type of uh, getting on the wrong side of Donald Trump can be, you know, a real big problem for you in the Republican Party. Thus, if you're in Congress and you are perceived as not doing everything you can to get Trump elected, that'll be a big problem for you. And I think that's what's happening here, uh, in the, particularly in the House. Uh, where in you know people are looking at this and saying you know a border bill, yes we might be able to improve things now, but it probably doesn't help us as a you know, campaign issue down the line, and we need that campaign issue. Have you seen anything like this before? Any anybody that I know we're in uncharted territory for the most part with a former president running again, but having such control over Congress, having such control over a party. You know, I don't. I don't think we've had in recent time an individual with this kind of power of personality, where an entire party seems to revolve around this one individual. I mean, you've had you've had important individuals. Uh, Barack Obama was certainly a big personality within the Democratic Party, but he couldn't command you know, this kind of uh, deference uh, that Trump seems to be able to command within the Republican Party. And so, this is really something new, uh, certainly in modern politics, for us to have someone with this kind of control, particularly when they're not even president. Tell me about um, what's going on in the Middle East now and what President Biden might do with Iran. Nobody knows yet. How, how does that factor into the presidential election or does it? So, you know, foreign affairs is a big issue. But the reality is, is a lot of the research that has been done on that has shown that uh, largely individuals, unless something happens right near the election itself, you know, don't vote based on foreign policy. You know, it's going to be the bread and butter issues about the economy. And now it's going to be a big issue as abortion. But when it comes to foreign affairs, unless you have something happen in September, October, right near the election, people largely forget about it. So it's important, obviously, what uh, the president decides to do there. Uh, but it doesn't seem like it's likely to have a big effect on his, uh, uh, you know, reelection chances. When you mention abortion, does that actually translate into people voting or not? Oh, this is, I mean, at least uh, the last uh, year, year and a half, uh, we've seen that abortion has been a big driver of uh, turnout, uh, particularly in these off-year elections last year when the, with referendum uh, on the ballots. We've seen abortion continues to win, win, and win, you know, even in places like Kentucky. I mean, you're able to hold on to the governorship in Kentucky, uh, you know, largely where people are pointing to abortion as an issue. Um, so this has been a, a big factor you know, in these off-year elections. Now, does it get drowned out a bit, you know, in the the, you know, the general election of a presidential year, it's possible. Um, you know, the economy still is going to be number one important. But abortion has been a driver of participation now since Dobbs came down, you know, and it's uh, I would predict it's going to be a big issue uh, this November. On with a particular side of it or the other, Professor? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's this is switched. So since Dobbs, I mean, it was a driver of Republican, you know, uh, turnout and support uh, prior to Dobbs, you know, which overturned Roe v. Wade. Uh, after Dobbs, it's completely flipped. I mean, it's no longer an issue that Republicans really want to talk about, you know, besides to their most ardent supporters. So they are, you know, want to talk about the border all day long. But do they want to talk about abortion? No, no. They're trying to avoid that question at all costs, because this is a big driver of support now uh, for Democrats. All right, let me take a break. We'll pick it up here. We'll come back, talk about the uh, attempts to impeach Mayorkas, and, and does that touch Biden or not as it relates to the border, and what are the big issues, or is it 
I, the question I have, and we'll talk about it when we come back, is is it really about any of these issues or is it just a personality contest between Trump and Biden? Because that's what it seems like it's coming down to. Aaron Duso, our guest, associate professor, chair of the Department of Political Science at Indiana University, Indianapolis. Got any questions or comments, 504-260-1870. That's the Oakland Art Jeweler talk and text line. I'll pass them along when we come back. Now it's time for traffic on WWL. 626 now, Tommy Tucker, WWL, final day of January, talking to Aaron Dusso, Associate Professor, Chair of the Department of Political Science at Indiana University, Indianapolis. About the presidential race, we are in a presidential year, but it, it's a year unlike any others, is it not, Aaron? Yes, I agree with that 100%. Just different. And when we talk about abortion, when we talk about the economy, when we talk about the border, and, and I'm getting ready to ask you about the uh, move. To, well, let, let me ask you then, since we are there, about uh, Mayorkas and the House and impeaching him. Tell us what's going on there, the procedure involved, and, and how it's likely to turn out. Well, I mean, it's clear you know, that Democrats have decided, or not Democrats, Republicans have decided that uh, the border is their winning issue. And so, you know, it, it appears that they're going to do what they can to keep focus on that. And so from a political perspective, I think this is probably a good move for them because any type of, of hearings, you know, within the House that are about impeachment and then particularly if it goes on and it actually goes to the Senate for some type of hearing, that's going to get uh, get a lot of news coverage, not just from Fox News are the right wing, but that's going to get you know all the major news networks covering it. And so, and then, and then what are they going to be talking about? They're going to be talking about the border. So that focuses the entire country essentially on the issue that Republicans want people talking about. And so, to me, that's the important part when it comes to the election: keep people talking about the border. So they have a bipartisan deal that they're trying to get passed to do something. Trump saying no, don't pass it, and and it's pretty apparent that he doesn't want them to do anything because that's going to be the major issue that he runs on. But do voters see through that? Do they say, well, we could have done something, but we didn't? Or does do, does he hoodwink them into thinking, yeah, that's right, they didn't, they, they he, I guess, I don't, I don't know, hoodwink might not be a good word, but it just how, somehow that he stalled the process to help himself get elected. Or, and this goes back to what I said before the break, whether it's abortion, whether it's the economy, whether it's the border and Mayorkas and does it all come down to it's a personality contest between Trump and Biden? Either you hate Trump so much you're going to vote against him or you love Trump so much you'll vote for him. And does it go to Biden at all or is it just he's the anti-Trump? I think yeah, in a large you know, way, it really is the personality contest between the two individuals because you know most people are partisan, and so most of those votes are already decided. <clears throat> but then you have a good 10% or so of independent voters that might be swingable, and when it comes to this, uh, you know, the border, or if it comes to uh, Mayorkas being impeached or something like that, uh, it's a question of or you know stopping any type of uh, a bipartisan deal between you know uh, the two parties. It becomes well messaging, and so our Democrats going to be able to get that message across that this, uh, you know, was stopped in order for political gains. That's a, that's actually kind of, a, you know, even though it's only a couple of steps, it's actually a tough sell uh, because it's more complex than just saying border is bad. Um, but real quick, when it comes to this um, changing border policy, President Biden is saying, I can't do anything. I need Congress to do something. Republicans in Congress are saying he can stop it with an executive order. What What is the truth there? Aaron, do you know? Well, I mean, the presidents have a lot of leeway to do, uh, you know, uh, 
lots of movement on the border. They can bring in, you know, National Guard and that kind of stuff. I mean, those are pretty big moves uh, uh, to make, and it's often much better to have congressional support for these types of things. You know, you'd like to see the entire United States government moving as one as opposed to individuals just making, you know, whatever random choice they you know, can make at the time. The politics of this, if Biden does something with the border and issues an executive order, does he, well, first, he'd be contradicting himself, I guess, if he would. And secondly, does he lose Democratic support or pick up any Republican support? Or are we back to it being for Trump or against Trump? I think it's for Trump or against Trump, but ultimately, I don't think you're going to win a lot of Trump voters simply by bringing, say, the National Guard down to the border. That's you know they're going to say you just followed what you know Republicans wanted to do anyway. So you're just doing the bidding of the Republicans. So with all of this going on, it still comes down to either you're for Trump or you're against Trump. Yeah, I agree, hundred percent. Thank you, Aaron. I appreciate your time. Associate Professor, Chair of the Department of Political Science at Indiana University. But I'll tell you what, that might be true, but the election is not till November, so we got to talk about something, right? We'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk to Jan Moeller, Executive Director of Louisiana Budget Project, get his take on Governor Landry's corporate and personal income tax recommendations, and we'll talk to Daniel Erspammer of the Pelican Institute and get his. A lot coming up. Stay with us. 6.30, time for WWL First News.